Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, everybody. So, I just wanted to get started with um, some general announcements. Some of you have asked about the uh, opportunity for medical students to do research here at SGU. This is the website of the MS MRSI uh, uh, program. Uh, then some people had uh, complained there was a, uh, my website wasn't working. There needs to be an S here. Uh, this, is, this works. And then I also wanted to let you know about two resources that are uh, potentially available to you. One is Access Medicine, uh, which is a collection of textbooks on clinical medicine. Uh, they are available for free online through, SG, through SGU, has a subscription. You can access them from offline um, campus through a library link. And um, I find them really, really good because you can search all these books in an online format just like a Google search for keywords but also for images and, uh, and things like that. So, and the information that I've seen on there is very medically relevant also very much relevant for kind of the stuff you're doing. So um, definitely check that out. I have some reading on this. Uh, so um, it's, it's a worthwhile resource. Then Up to Date, uh, which is a, a point of care uh, website for clinicians. Um, in an informal sor survey of my colleagues and friends, most of them are using that in their clinical practice almost daily. Uh, it has recent reviews by <coughs> clinicians, for clinicians, about specific specific diseases, treatments, and so on. It's very succinct and to the point, and um, SGU doesn't have a subscription to it anymore, but I think uh, one way, um, it's, it's worthwhile checking it out. They have student subscriptions, and I think they're, uh, they appear on my Facebook feed now for some reason, and uh, it seems like they're, they're offering a two months uh, free money back guarantee thing. So check that out, at least at some point, uh, uh, you, you will come across that, I'm sure. Okay, so um, we talked a bit about general sensory systems in the past lecture and also about the uh, somatosensory system, and now we are uh, talking a little bit more about uh, touch and higher touch functioning. And uh, so how do, you, how do you, a patient who presents with sensory disturbances uh, to your clinic, uh, how do you examine this person, right? So it's, it's super simple. You just, uh, uh, you just need a, a few cotton swabs and uh, um, uh, a pin here like that with a dull and a sharp end, uh, and you can do uh, basic te testing of touch and, um, and pain. Um, so what's important here, of course, you have to pay, have the patient close th their eyes, right? Because uh, you're going to ask them, did you feel this, right? Uh, and sometimes you, give, you, you stroke them, sometimes you don't stroke them. And of course, they, they um, need to feel it and not see it. So that's very important. And especially patients with low IQ or uh, patients who might not have understood the, the instructions correctly, that's, that's really important that you're actually testing the right modality. Always keep that in mind. Um, you start generally with a normal area just to go uh, with the patient through the procedure to make sure he or she does really understand and, and is complying and and, and, and can do what you're trying to do there. Um, and then, you know, start, a, start testing along dermatomes, right? Uh, have a, have, a, have a, um, an image like this in your practice and then start testing along dermatomes, uh, maybe a along nerves, 
look for asymmetry. You can test uh, uh, C5 on the left, C5 on the right. Um, most of the time, if the responses are asymmetric, you know, that says something, but there are also instances where there can be asymmetric deficits, right? Um, and start with light stimuli and then work your way up, you know, towards harder, especially with the pain ones. Um, vary the interstimulus interval uh, so that the patient cannot predict and they're going into a pattern of saying yes, 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 you know. <clears throat> and also this hold stimuli, just to test, to test again that the patient is actually performing the task the way you, um, you, you want them to do, right? And then what is important also that you give really clear instructions and ask the patient to, you know, ask certain forced choice question. Do you feel this or don't, right? One touch or two touch, okay? Um, and you will learn this uh, more in, uh, in small groups. So you actually be doing that and getting more instructions on, on how to do it actually, uh, <clears throat> actually and get some feedback on that. So um, one, one thing um, is just, you know, with the cotton swabs, you measure just is there any sensory feeling in the different body parts. Um, now, but also sometimes it can happen that the patient can feel um, but the, that their sensi, sensory acuity is affected. So uh, their spatial resolution of, of, of their tactile perception. And how do you test that, right? So we, we've seen this little video here in the beginning, and I'm just going to play like a couple of seconds from that again. Um, but basically what you need to know is here is that on the body, on the skin, we have different... Um, uh, uh, densities of some other sensory receptors, and what that causes is actually that your tactile acuity differs in different body parts, right? On your, you know, the, probably the highest are on your lips and on your fingertips, right? There you, you feel really, uh, you know, with a high spatial acuity, and you can detect fine detail, versus the back of your back or the arm here doesn't have such a high spatial acuity. So, and uh, for that purpose, you want to keep a a reference in, uh, at hand where you have this in millimeters, right? Let me just show you, this is kind of uh, two-point discrimination testing. So you, you test basically um, a given area for which you know, like for example, the, uh, what's well, not in here, but let's say the skin of the cheek is 11.2 millimeters, right? So you would set your caliber to about 11.2 millimeters and, or, or a bit, bit, bigger, and then you should be able to get a good response there. If not, uh, then there's a, there's a deficit. This next test, I'm going to oh. take the, um, this uh, caliper, and I'm going to touch one point. Sorry. Um, do you have audio, please? Can you hear this? So what he's doing here, you, you just notice that he changed the uh, distance between his uh, two tips of the caliber, right? When he moved from the, from the high sensory acuity fingertips 
uh, to the palm, which has less of a sensory acuity. Great, thank you. Perfect, thank you. Okay, so, um, okay, external. Thanks. Um, so, you know, there's some fancy method tools here that you get from your farm rep, or you can also use a paper clip and a, and a ruler. And uh, you just ask the patient, do you feel one or two, have them, their eyes closed. You don't have to test every square inch of their body, but, you know, uh, do get a good, good idea and especially follow kind of uh, the, the sensory deficits they're reporting. Um, you can also test for vibration. Uh, that works really similar. You have a tuning fork here uh, that, that vibrates at a certain given frequency. You strike that tuning fork and put it on uh, the patient's body parts. We're now going to uh, test the uh, dorsal column middle meniscus system, and we're going to do so, that by testing vibratory. One system. thing you don't want to do is tell the patient, oh, I'm going to test your dorsal column medial meniscus system, right? <laughs> Even if you're wearing a bow tie that day. You know, you want to keep it simple, and you want to explain the, to the patient that, hey, um, I'm going to test your sense of vibration, right? Very, 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 very simple. We're now going to uh, test the uh, dorsal column medial meniscus system, and we're going to do that by testing vibratory sensation. Can you feel that? Yes. What does it feel like? Vibrating. It's buzzing? Okay. Very good. Can you feel it here? Yes. How about now? No. How about now? Yes. Good. Can I do the same thing over here? Yes. No. All right. Get the idea. Okay. So you also can uh, test uh, the dorsal column medial and meniscus system in a different way, right, with uh, proprioception, their sense of uh, the orientation or the po position of, of, of the patient's body part. Um, you know, what you do with that, uh, there's a video that you can watch on your own. Um, what you, for example, here in this example, you see uh, the, this is the patient's hand. This is the physician. Um, he's stabilizing the joint here and then moving, moving the joint up and down. What's important here is that you actually really test the proprioception. So is this, is this up, down? And for that, it's important that you actually, for example, in this example, grab, grab the, uh, uh, the finger on the sides, not below and up. Because then what you would do if you had it up and uh, would grab the finger you know, like this, you actually would exert pressure up or down. And then you actually send a signal to the patient that, uh, that is a somatosensory sig signal, right? When you change up or down, because you press on top and on, on the bottom. So, does that make sense? All right, okay. So um, we've been through the um, pathway uh, from the body. Uh, you know, the dorsal column medial meniscus pathway that uh, goes from the receptor into the spinal cord, to the medulla, to the thalamus, into the somatosensory cortex. That's everything from the body. Touch in the face so, uh, uh, is, goes through a different pathway. That's the, mostly the trigeminal nerve covers those, right? And, um, but you also you have a similar organization, three neurons. Uh, the first neuron that goes from the receptor in the face uh, enters the brain, uh, enters the brain uh, at, the, at the pons uh, via the trigeminal nerve. 
and uh, then you have an uh, that's still unilateral. Then you have a, um, a synapse right there uh, in the ventral. Uh, sorry, you have a in the pons you have a synapse right there, and then it actually decussates over um, and ascends into the thalamus, right? And then in the thalamus again. Uh, you, you have a synapse, and then it goes via the internal capsule up to somatosensory cortex. So this is for uh, uh, anything related to um, discriminative touch, proprioception, and vibration from the face. Now, what I want you to take home from this slide here is that actually here the fifth uh, cranial nerve, the trigeminal nerve, also deals with pain from the face. But what's different is here, here it enters at, both enter at the pond through the trigeminal nerve, pons through the trigeminal nerve, but the pain pathway actually descends into the medulla and then decrusates. Um, that has implications for some neurological diseases like Wallenberg syndrome, um, where when the med lateral medulla is is, um, is, is lesioned, uh, you, you have certain symptoms on one side of the body and, and other symptoms on the other side of the face. So we'll be discussing that in a clinical case in, in more detail. Just be aware of this now, um, that, that, there's a, that there's a difference, that both enter, enter th uh, through the trigeminal nerve and that pain kind of descends into the medulla. Okay, so once the information reaches the cortex, you know, from thalamus through the, um, uh, sorry, I just, uh, um, uh, through the internal capsule uh, into the somatosensory cortex. The somatosensory cortex is the post-central gyrus. So it's just uh, at the central gyrus, just a bit posterior. Uh, it lays right here, you can see. Here's the central gyrus. And then the precentral gyrus is your motor cortex that deals with motor, uh, motor, um, uh, motor commands. So um, once the inf sensory information reaches the somatosensory cortex, that's when your patient knows he or she has been touched. Anything before, they don't know. Once the information gets there, they can have conscious awareness of the stimulus. That's when they can report it to you, right? So, if they say, yes, I feel the touch, you know it gets to the uh, somatosensory cortex, most likely. Um, now, the once from the somatosensory cortex, there are neighboring um, areas that process more higher order tactile processing. That's also important. So that uh, involves integration across multiple digits, for example, when you, when you feel something you know, in your hand uh, with your eyes closed, you can feel this. This integration across multiple digits to say, hey, this is a water bottle cap, uh, occurs in neighboring areas in higher order somatosensory uh, cortex. Um, things like texture, size, shape, and so on. These can also be damaged, uh, and, and that can be clinically important, and there are clinical tests that we just discussed in a minute uh, that how you can detect those. So, oh, what's also important is here that here, uh, there's the paracentral lobule. Um, this is also part of the somatosensory cortex, and uh, you've you got to be aware of that because um, that has a different um, 
supply, vascular supply, and uh, it is also responsible for certain body parts that we'll discuss in a, in a second. Okay. So uh, just be aware that there's a columnar organization, like in most other primary sensory cortices, um, where you have columns of rapidly adapting sensors terminate there uh, from the thalamus, uh, and those of slowly adapting sensors. And then, of course, there's a six-layer cortex, uh, and the input from the thalamus is into layer four. You know, just a fun fact. Okay, now this is important. So the functional organization of the somatosensory cortex follows a really interesting and clinically very important pattern. As you can see here, uh, different part, so this, this is the somatosensory cortex here in an axial slice. Um, and, and you can see that actually the areas representing different body parts are listed here. You can see this. So uh, if you stimulate the lips, this area here fires, right? The neurons from the lips end up here, the third order neurons. The one from the thumb here, the finger here, the elbow here, and then here in the posterior paracentral lobule, you actually have the legs, right? So, so legs here, face down here, and the sylvian fissure. Uh, so that's important. Uh, You've you got to know this. You've got to know that the face is where the face is. You've got to know where the legs is, where the hand is. These are important parts. You have to localize them on an MRI. And you know what's also really interesting? You see this homunculus here, it's called, the little man, um, with slightly uh, disproportionate uh, body features. Um, and the size of those are, are basically um, uh, show how much cortical space that body part is occupying in the somatosensory cortex. Now, that comes from uh, how many sensors are actually, uh, somatosensory receptors are in that body part, like the lips, for example, or the hands. You have a lot of somatosensory receptors here, much more than in your back. Now, they need to go somewhere in the brain and occupy real estate there. So um, they do that in the somatosensory cortex, and they have an over-proportional representation to the surface area they occupy, right? So, um, and, and basically just looking at this image, you can actually already see uh, which body parts have high sensory acuity and which have low sensory acuity, right? Okay, so, now, lesions in the somatosensory cortex can be uh, abrupt and from an ischemic event. Uh, they cause contralateral sensory loss of touch, vibration, proprioception, pain, and temperature. All the pathways come, back, come in there. Um, and they do so in a somatotopic pattern. Somatotopic pattern means like this pattern here. Like you have a lesion here. It's not your left finger and your, uh, and, and your, your right foot that's affected. It's your, left, uh, it's your left fingers, your left palm. All of this in this area is affected, you know, depending on the extent of the lesion, right? So when, when the patient responds and, and says, oh, my, my, le my whole left hand is, is, is uh, I can't feel anything anymore, uh, and it doesn't follow a dermatomal pattern or a sensory nerve pattern, um, but it's, it's kind of this whole chunk here, um, then it, it seems like this is a somatotopic representation, uh, which is likely indicative of a cortical or even a thalamus function, uh, a dysfunction. Okay. 
Okay, so let's look at the internal capsule again. It's the part here, it's a white matter structure that goes from the thalamus to the, uh, to the primary somatosensory cortex, right here, right here. Um, what's important there is you need to know that the posterior limbs, there are three limbs that carry different information. For us important is the posterior limbs that carries the, uh, all the sensory information from um, fine touch, proprioception, vibration, pain, and temperature from the thalamus to the, um, to the uh, somatosensory cortex. And this is supplied by the MCA, right? So if you have, a, have, a, have an MCA stroke in that area, roughly, or uh, you, know, you, have, um, you have issues, you have li likely issues with the um, internal capsule there, right? So these are popular questions, you know? Uh, which blood supply system is affected with an internal capsule stroke, for example. Okay. Okay. So I just put some figures here to can, you can review again the uh, innovations of, of the blood supply. Uh, what's important here is that the somatosensory cortex here, the postcentral gyrus, everything from here to here, is supplied by the middle cerebral artery here, and then that the lower limb portions of the leg are by the um, anterior cerebral artery over here, right? So if you have, a, have an anterior cerebral artery stroke with sensory disturbances, it's probably the lower limbs, right? Just another views for you that you can use for studying. Okay, let's do this. Okay, last chance. Okay, we can discuss. Okay. Everybody click. D. Okay. Yeah, wow, perfect. So, um, I mean, almost perfect. Um, so yeah, D is, D is this. This is kind of called the hand knob, right, on the somatosensory cortex. That's a, a really important landmark features for you to know. 
uh, you can see here you can oh sorry here's the hand knob and you can see that it's kind of roughly corresponding to this here to this area there and of course it's on the right it's on the left hemisphere because the uh, deficit was on the right side contralateral right cool so here's another one So what's here in red, here, 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 this is the deficit that you detected based on your sensory exam that you performed on this patient. Okay. Okay. Let's see. E. Yeah. You're getting the hang of it. So yeah. So it's it was E. Um, oh, didn't show that. Basically here, uh, it's the right side of the face because this is on the left side of the brain. Right? This is the front, this is the back here, where the cerebellum is. Um, so it's definitely on the right side, and um, it's, it's in the face area. So it only leaves E for this. Uh, this is a dermatomal pattern that you wouldn't see so likely in the somatosensory cortex, right? This, um, this is bilateral. You wouldn't see that with a lesion on one side either. This is a whole face, bilateral, and you wouldn't see that. Uh, and then this one here is on the wrong side, right? Okay. Nice. Okay, so now we talked about that the somatosensory cortex also computes higher order function, integrating uh, information from different res touch receptors to look at, uh, you know, object, shape, texture, and so on. So how do you test that? So somebody can have a lesion in higher order sensory cortex, maybe not just maybe not in the primary sensory cortex, but just next adjacent to it in the in the areas that do this sort of processing more to the parietal lobe. So they, they can have really relatively normal two point discrimination, but uh, they cannot feel uh, what they're holding in their hand. So what do you do? You give them something to hold in their hand with their eyes closed, and you have them identified just common objects. Um, and then you can also, so this is called stereognosis. If you have a failure to identify objects like this by touch. And then you can also uh, uh, see if they have crevastesia, which is failure to identify 
writing on the hand, right? Of course, you have to know that the patient can actually write or read uh, in that language or uh, in those numerals, right? That's important. Okay. Let's look at this. Okay. Okay, try it now. Yeah, thanks, Sawyer. Still new to this. Okay, so what we got here, let's look at the right answer. Uh. <laughs> well, none of the above. Um, it's a mis so, oh, here you go. And nice, hey, good. So yeah, it's the left foot, right? Because uh, the posterior percentual lobule is innervated by the anterior cerebral artery here. And a stroke in that, you actually have lower limb issues, right? So very good. Nice. So one of the reasons also, you know, you say, why do we do this? Why don't we stick them in an MRI, right? Um, first of all, you have to confirm as a physician, you know, this might be the patient comes to a physician for this issue for the first time. So you have to properly diagnose it. But before you order an MRI, you also need to know uh, an MRI of what, right? Of the spinal cord, which section of the spinal cord, of the brain, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's also important, right? Okay, so here's another review. This is an important pathway you need to learn. There's a panoptic video tutorial on it. Um, and so, so and then here's another uh, kind of issue to consider. Within the brainstem, right here, medulla, pons, and the midbrain, uh, you have uh, the medial lemniscus uh, for touch, vibration, and proprioception, but you also have uh, the spinothalamic tract here, uh, over here and here running, uh, that's for pain. Now, down here at the medulla, they're really far apart. So a small lesion in the medulla is unlikely to affect both pathways, right? That means a small lesion in the medulla is unlikely to have both pain and fine touch discrimination uh, deficits, right? Now, where in the brain stem would a small lesion have effect on both pathways, on both fine touch and uh, pain, right? 
right here, where they're close together. All right? So if ever there, you see a patient with a brainstem lesion uh, that is really, re relatively small, um, you, uh, and they, there's both pain and touch deficits, uh, it, it's kind of uh, points towards the midbrain, not so much the medulla. And then here's some reading on, 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 on those tracts, if, you, if you're kind of interested more in the brainstem. Okay, so phantom limb sensations is a really interesting phenomenon of remapping of cortical function after an amputation. Uh, really, really cool stuff. Uh, there's a panopto video tutorial on it, uh, so we're not going to go into that uh, that much. But it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting uh, phenomenon, and it actually happens in up to like 80% of patients who have a limb amputated. Okay, so, you know, what's important again is that you know the tracts, you know, the roadmaps, but also that you know how to interpret uh, sensory findings and kind of link them to uh, uh, problems in that, those roadmaps. So, um, I put together a couple of uh, primers here for you. So the general idea is if there are sensory symptoms present, you know, there's somehow the information doesn't get from the receptor to the cerebral cortex, right? Um, and somehow this information flow that uh, goes from the receptor to the brain is interrupted somewhere. That's a general idea, right? Now, that the deficit pattern that you see is a key... Uh, clue in, uh, for you to find out where to localize that deficit, right? Um, and I like this diagram really a lot for this because it has both the pain and the touch uh, pathways in one kind of figure. So uh, this is good for studying this sort of thing um, because you don't have to switch from like two figures and that use different words for the same stuff. Okay, so what you got to find out is which system is it? You know, is it pain? Is it touch? You know, of course, it's pain and uh, by, uh, um, uh, pain and temperature uh, on the one side, and find discriminatory touch, proprioception uh, on on the other side, and vibration, right? And then also you need to see is it body or face, right? One is supplied by uh, uh, by uh, the phases supplied by trigeminal innervations that enter the brainstem at the pons, right? Uh, the others actually are uh, go go into the spinal cord and then go up there. These are you know different systems there. Um, and also, of course, consider the laterality of the deficits. But you've understood that pretty well based on these um, questions that that we had these cases. Um, and then for that, to, for the laterality, always. Uh, notice where the touch and pathways, uh, where the pathways um, cross, you know. And then another thing is uh, know, observe, note that the, if, are they distributed in a nerve fashion? You know, does it follow a nerve pattern? Or does it follow a dermatomal pattern? Or a somatotopic pattern, right? And know how lesions, how, what, what are dermatomes? How are the nerves distributed, right? Okay. So we're going to do a few practice questions, cases, uh, more or less, I think, for the rest of the, the lecture. So we'll just go there and uh, I hope you enjoy them. Here we go.
Okay? Okay. Yeah, it's a peripheral nerve, and you got this. But some of you confused that with the nerve root, which uh, you know is very sensible. Uh, spinal tract and cortex is less, uh, you know, appropriate here, but theoretically could be also be true because there, uh, this this deficit here could theoretically be a somatotopic deficit, right? Um, because it's continuous in one body part, so you could have a punctured lesion in the hand knob uh, there of the left somatosensory cortex. Um, but it's unlikely that it follows just this pattern here for the median nerve in your hand, right? Um, so this is uh, very typical of carpal tunnel syndrome like a pinching of the median nerve. Uh, and then you can see here, this, this, this kind of uh, image here has on one side the, uh, the nerve distribution, and here the dermatomes. And you can see that it doesn't really look like a whole dermatome is affected, right? So this is a very typical uh, nerve distribution, in this case, the median nerve. Okay. Okay.
Okay. Okay, yeah, A. Uh, there's easy confusions with B. Um, so what happens here is, so a uh, nerve root lesion here um, actually prevents all information from a particular dermatome, right, to, to reach the brain. Uh, and it's only, in this case, it's, 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 it's a single root. It's only one dermatome. So the first thing you want to do is look for a dermatomal pattern. Now, this is not a dermatomal pattern. This is kind of a dermatomal pattern, but it's bilateral. A single side unilateral uh, nerve root lesion only has uh, unilateral deficits, right? Because it's just on one side. It's not, it's not here. It's not cut here. So this pattern could be possible if this one was cut as well, theoretically, right? Um, so it only leaves A and B. So it's a single dermatome, uh, either on the left or on the right side. Now, the next thing is laterality. So um, nerve roots are on ipsilateral, right? So it's the information from the, same, from the dermatome on the same side that enters there. There's no decusation yet. So it's ipsilateral to the deficit. So then you've got to figure out, hey, OK, is this on the left or on the right side? This is the dorsal column. Dorsal means back. You turn around, and that's your right arm, right? On the MRI, here another kind of clue, because it's an MRI, it's left is right, right? <laughs> left is right. So uh, this is actually uh, on the right side of the body, right? So A is the right one. Okay, so here's tarpus dorsalis, which is a syphilic uh, myelopathy. Uh, that leads to kind of paresthesias, tingling, and, and some pain in the dermatomal pattern. It affects the dorsal root ganglion uh, cells here, uh, and um, it, it can lead to like short shooting pain and um, uh, um, sensory deficits here. So uh, that's something that can happen at that level as well. Okay. Okay. Here's another one. We have five more minutes, so let's. Okay, ten seconds. Push the button. <laughs> Okay, let's discuss it.
Okay. Okay, so the correct answer is A. And uh, why is that? I mean, basically, you have a complete transaction you know, you know, you know, of the spinal cord. No information is going in at that, at that segment, but nothing is coming from below either, right? So the pattern you observe from that is everything below is, is gone, you know? That, so this patient you know, cannot move, right? Below, um, below here, does not have no uh, sensory perception below there as well, right? Uh, so that's, that's, that's pretty straightforward. So um, I have a few more, but instead of going over or so, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tack them on on Friday at the IMCQs uh, for this. And um, let's see. Okay, one thing I wanted to describe here is stocking cloth syndrome. So this is when you, uh, this is when you have a systemic issue that affects your, uh, your, your peripheral nerves, right? Like metabolic disease, like uh, uh, diabetic uh, peripheral neuropathy, for example, right? Now what happens there is it's a, it's a met metabolic issue the, and uh, which neurons have the greatest metabolic demands? It's the one that are longest, right? So it's the one that goes from your foot all the way up in your spinal cord to your medulla. That's really long, right? That's longer than the one going from here into the spinal cord into your medulla. So these are the ones that, that if there's a metabolic disease, uh, that are the ones that fail first, right? So they stop transmitting some other sensory information. So what you, do, what you get from that in terms of sensory symptoms is it starts at, the, at your toes and the foot. It moves slightly up, up here. And when it gets to the knee, now the ones at the knee, the somatosensory receptors, are almost as long as the ones in your hand. So once it gets to the knee, you start seeing it at the hand as well. And then it moves up. Right? And what you end up is like stockings and a glove, just like there. So this is called like stock, stocking, uh, stocking club symptom, uh, symptom distribution. So if you see that, you know, hey, it's a uh, metabolic issue, right? Okay, thank you very much.